I uh, think it's an excellent time to uh, give to the Lord after giving a heart of worship. What a great way to continue in a heart of worship to give. <laughs> um, they, the Lord just gave me this one one verse, and it's a. I don't know what you've been feeling, but I've I've been really feeling a uh, the Lord leading me and everybody around him. His heart for us is to lead us into a deeper relationship with him. It's to go beyond the uh, what you do for me and what I do for you, to go past that and to have a relationship that that is centered around just being able to be together, just being able to hear each other's thoughts, being able to be close. Um, and I heard this uh, this wonderful little snippet of a message during the week and it was uh, this uh this guy was talking about you know the attitudes that we can come with to uh to to prayer and i think it it uh it applies very much the same in our giving he was saying how we can come to to praying and and asking God for to to hear from him with a perspective of you know I'm entitled to this you know I I asked you for something Lord and it didn't happen so now I'm a bit upset about it but he was saying how isn't it just an honor to be able to speak to God isn't it just an honor to be able to hear anything he says. Whoa. I want to read this, <laughs> this verse. I, there's something so powerful about a heart attitude and a posture that, that says, Lord, <laughs> Lord, you are, you are everything. And I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful that, and, <laughs> that I get the opportunity to know you. And that's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. Nothing else matters. I just want to know you. And you know, you will never get to the end of that. You will never arrive at a place where there is no more. You will never get to the deepest depths of the Father's heart. <laughs> but I want to encourage you with this verse. If you want to, you want to kind of stir your heart and find a, a heart attitude that's going to be powerful, dive into Psalm. <laughs> there he is. David had such a beautiful heart towards the Father. There in Psalm 8, <laughs> it says in uh, verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? <laughs> the heart attitude that the author is writing this in is one of awe, is one of pure honor for who God is. 
that he is the creator of all. He is, as, the, as Christine was singing this morning, you know, he called the stars by name. He, he, he knows every single one of them. How great is the God that we serve? How great is the God that we get to know? Wow. What is man that you are mindful of him? <laughs> How did we get such a good deal? How did we get such a good deal? <laughs> Only by the goodness and the grace of God. Now, when we, I wanted to just uh, leave you with that, but as we, as we give, can we search our own hearts and, and think, what attitude do I give with? What attitude do I bring to the Father? Is it, is it one of entitlement? Is it one of, oh, this is, this is my hard-earned dollary dues that I'm giving away. I should have some sort of knowledge of, you know, what's happening with them. I need to take up my responsibility and rah. Or is it, Father, you are my source. You are my everything. I trust you and I just, I just want to love you. I just want to do anything I can to tell you how much I love you. <laughs> so let's, let's give. If you give online, I just want you to, I'm going to pray in a moment and connect our hearts and our faith with, uh, with that. But if you give um, physically, then just hold your, hold your, your um, gift in your hand. Let's just, let's just bring it to the Father right now. Father, <laughs> we thank you. Lord, Lord, we thank you. Father, as we, as we bring what, what you have given to us, Lord, as we bring a portion of that back to you, Father, Lord, I just ask that you would stir in our hearts a desire to know you, a desire to just bless you. Lord, let our obedience be a blessing to your heart. Father, we can't do much, but Lord, what we can, we give to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> That'll help. Good morning. Hmm. Glory to God.
Do you love coming across scriptures sometimes that are, are just so self-evident that you think, oh, duh, yeah. The Bible's like that, isn't it? You know, some, some of the Proverbs, they're just so, well, yeah, that's, yeah. This is a beauty. If a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. That's deep, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Tree falls over, that's where it's sitting. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's from Ecclesiastes 11 verse 3. Now, there, there is always something deeper in Scripture, isn't there? And it's, it's, that scripture is talking about the direction or the bent of your life, wherever it's going, towards God or away from God. When you're dead, that's it. That's it. That'll be it. Our, our time is now. But here's a, here's a self-evident statement. If something is going to change... Something has to change. The title of this message is Change Requires Change. If we want to see change around us, does anyone want to see change around them? I see those hands. If we want to see change around us, we must be willing to ex- experience change within us. And sometimes that's the thing that we put off to the, to the, to the, to the back burner. That's something that we, we just, okay, well, I want things to change, but Lord, you, you, you're speaking to me about change, and I think, yep, no, I want this to change, I don't want this to change. And, um, and, you know, we don't get to see a lot, or we don't get to know the, the disciples who became, you know, the, the apostles. We don't get to see them uh, in, in depth in, in Scripture. There's a couple that we do. Some of them, we, we just, we're just not told about them, but a couple that we are. So we're going to have a look at a couple of, um, of those this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, like turn to Luke Chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Now, these um, disciples, and, and there were more than 12, um, there were circles, there, were the, there was the 12, and then there were the 70, and then there was a, a multitude of people who, who believed in, in, uh, in Jesus and followed him. But um, within that 12, there you know, Peter, James, and John. That was they had a, a, a closer, if you like, um, uh, relationship. And so Jesus is 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 speaking. He's he's uh, he's teaching. He's he's delivering people. He's setting people free. He's speaking truth into their life. He's telling them of the kingdom to come. And of course, some received it. And some rejected it. And uh, this passage here, it's, it's after the transfiguration. 
after the transfiguration, Peter, James and John saw Jesus, the glory shine out of Jesus. Anyway, so going along and they're doing their thing. And uh, verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messages before his face. As they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? (laughs) He turned and rebuked them and said, you do, know not, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So they've had this experience. Peter, James and John, they've had this experience. They've seen the transfiguration of, of Jesus Christ and, and the glory that was revealed just coming out of him. <laughs> and yet, they've, they, they, John says, do you want me to f- call down fire from heaven? You know, men, women and children, we'll just, yeah, we'll just get rid of them because they're not on board. And Jesus says, you, you don't know what spirit you're of. Now, There was change with this man. And if you want to see the change, a little snippet of it, go and read 1 John. (laughs) It's an epistle of love. It talks all about love. The love of God. So he's gone from wanting to destroy to just sharing the love of God. There was change, and that change was internal. That change was within. What about Peter? <laughs> and, and we know the, some of the things that, that, that Peter did through you know, Jesus' ministry, and you know, he was one to step out pretty quickly and, and uh, all those things and put his foot where his mouth should be and you got it right sometimes, you can get it right other times. Well, we, we all do that. Um, but Peter changed from denying Jesus three times. Now, he was trying to escape persecution. It was too hot in the kitchen. He didn't want what was, what was right in front of him there as far as that persecution was concerned. And he denied his saviour. He denied Jesus three times. Did he change? Absolutely he did. (laughs) Jesus restored him. But if you want to read the change, you want to read some verses out of of 1 Peter. And uh, I've got some. This is 1 Peter, chapter 2, 18 to 23. Just get the heart of what's coming out of this man. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, for this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, 
For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. This is from a man who was trying to escape persecution. And over in First Peter chapter 4, he writes, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing had happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may be, that you also may, may be glad with exceeding joy. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. This is the man who tried to escape persecution. And he was changed. He was changed in his very being. You can read First Peter chapter 5, uh, 5 to 10 later on. Verse 10 says, But may the God of all grace who called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. Peter was changed. He was changed from the inside out. What about Moses? I think I've, um, I, I think this quote is, well, I think it was from um, uh, Bill Johnson. I didn't put down the quote, but, you know, you quote something a few times and then, and then it's yours. You know? <laughs> so, and that was, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years understanding he was nobody, and <laughs> and 40 years learning what God can do with a nobody. <laughs> where, did, where did Moses change? It wasn't in those first 40 years. He was brought up in the, in the palace, in the king's palace. He was a privileged young fellow for 40 years growing up. He had everything. And, uh, and he would have been... He was a prince of Egypt. He didn't change. That was something that was established in him. And you know, he understood where he came from um, in, in, in some manner, but he wasn't ready to do what God had for him to do. <laughs> what did that take? It took 40 years in the back of nowhere being a nobody, <laughs> being established 
by God, having his heart changed, being prepared to do what God had for him to do. And the last 40 years was the fulfilment, it was the walking out of what God had already done. <laughs> and, and, you know, he had challenges, we all do. But in Numbers 12.3, God said, the Lord God says, said, now the man, well, it says in scripture, now the man Moses was very humble more than all men who were on the face of the earth. That humility of heart comes through change. It's the humility of heart that God is after. If, the, if God has a humble heart and he has that in his hand, he can do anything. God is not limited. God's not limited. He just wants a humble heart. He wants somebody who he can mould, who he can use, who he can direct, and won't push back. You know, sometimes I, I hear, and you, you will have too, people say, look, oh, I always seem to have this same issue. And, and sometimes through life we do. We have a recur something that is recurring, something that just keeps getting in our face, an issue that we have difficulty with. Well, my guess is that there hasn't been change. We always look for things outside of ourselves. And, and we all do that. We look for the reasons outside of ourselves for why we are where we are. When in reality, the things that change on the inside are the only things that will bring about lasting results. We might have little victories, but then we're back in that same space. You know, the, the children of Israel, they, they wandered around 40 years in the desert. <laughs> they just kept going around around the mountain. And God is good, and God is patient, and he will allow us to go round and round that mountain until we give that thing to him. Now you're going to have to in, indulge me um, this morning um, because um, I'm going to have a little talk about golf. Now I have not done that for years. I haven't done it. I haven't done <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, for a couple of years, I haven't, I haven't, yeah, well that's good, it's, 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 it landed, that's good, uh, but, you know, they call golf the game of life, um, and, you know, there's some reasons for that, you can play it when you're very little, um, uh, Quentin, he was walking properly for five days before I put a little golf set in his hand. Um, I've got a video of him sort of one hand clicking on the ball. It's really good. Um, we, we got a fellow out at our golf club. He's 87 years old. Um, he, um, he refuses to ride in a, in a golf cart. He, he doesn't do that. It's a, it's a big deal if you can score a, a total score for 18 holes of golf less than your age, okay? He does it every week and, and look as you get older scoring low gets 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 harder 
He scores in the 70s often, you know, 70s, 80s. Every week. It's a big deal. And, um, yeah, he's sprightly and all good. So golf's good for you. Um, that's it. <laughs> no, it's a seven iron, Chris. Yeah. No, it's a seven iron. So golf's a game of life. Now, there's, there's categories of golfers. Okay, so these are, these are my categories. And this is from observation over a you know, pretty long period of time um, in the game of golf. There are people who have never had a lesson. Okay, they have never had a lesson. And some boast, oh, I've never had a lesson. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's because you've got a 38 handicap. Um, they've never had a lesson. And I say, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having a lesson. I, you know, just, they just swing. However, they've learnt, they've observed, and some do it better than others. Never had a lesson. Hang on to the club, however, and swing, however. Okay? Now, those people with practice get more consistent, but they don't actually get better. They will get to a level, and they will never get past that level. All right? and, 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 you know, some get to a reasonable level, but they will they'll never reach the potential that they could have because they're doing some things incorrectly and it just doesn't, doesn't work. So there's people who have never had a lesson. There are people who get lessons but don't apply the techniques that they've learnt. They don't apply the new techniques. And that is, golf's a funny thing, because change is uncomfortable. If you, and, 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 and any, anything physical that we do, if, if we're shown something different about the way to do it, um, it's, it, you know, muscle memory and all that, it's uncomfortable. We're not, we're not used to it. So some people have a lesson but they'll, they won't stick with it. They'll say, oh, yeah, that just feels uncomfortable, and they'll go back to what they were doing. And um, that certainly um, doesn't give any, any lasting results. There's a saying in golf, particularly when you're having a lesson, if it feels wrong, it's probably right. Okay? If that feels wrong, it's probably right. And, you know, there's a parallel in Scripture. There's so many parallels in Scripture with that. Jesus said, love your enemies. Does that feel right? <laughs> Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That doesn't feel right, but it is right. So, the only contact that you have with the golf club is your hands. Okay? That's the only contact that you have. So if your contact with the golf club is not right, nothing else works. You've actually got to adjust other things in your golf swing to compensate for, for, the, for the connection that you have with your hands on the golf stick. And it's a bit like our, our connection, our relationship with our God. If that's in its right place, 
if it's in its right place, other things fall into line. And, you know, that all takes time, that's fine. But if our relationship is right, other things take time. And I just want to show you the, the thing that most golfers who have some weird-looking swings, um, where it comes from, and it's their grip. Okay, so that's a, that's a pretty, reasonable, pretty reasonable grip. Most golfers, when they start, now this, this mightn't seem like much, but they'll put their hand around there instead of over there. They'll put their hand around here. And that, that, that feels more comfortable. The only trouble is that when you swing a golf club, when you get back to where the ball is, your hands naturally want to be in that space and see what happens to the golf club. Okay? So that's a proper grip. When you come down through, it's right angles going straight. If you put your hand around there and then try and swing and hands want to get back to where they should be, the club face is all closed and it's going out there somewhere instead of there. Now, people then make adjustments because they know that they can't release the golf club and get back to that position, so they start doing other things to compensate in their golf swing so that the club face is square. And all it means is that you can't release the club. The ball, you might get the ball to go straight, but it's not going very far because there's no power in, 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 your, in your swing. And third category. So we've got people never have a lesson, will only get to a certain level, won't get any better. People who have a lesson but don't apply the techniques, well, they're not going to get any better either. And then people who get lessons and apply through practice. And there's an application through practice in life. But it all comes from our connection. It all comes from, in golf, it's, the, it's your hands on the golf club. And then you build everything else around that. If you're not prepared to get this part right, then you're fighting stuff all the time. All the time, fighting stuff. That wasn't too painful, Jeff. No, that was pretty painful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter three. Second Corinthians chapter three. Hallelujah. Paul's talking about here the, the glory of the, of the new covenant and he speaks about Moses when Moses went up onto the mountain and, and he saw the, the back part of God and that was enough for his face to shine when he came down. His face shone with the glory of God. He had been in the presence of God and he just shone, his face shone. <laughs> The glory of, of God was on him. And they had to put a veil over his face because the people didn't want to look. It was just too bright. They didn't want to look on the, on the face of Moses who had, had seen the, had God you know, walking away. And uh, 
And Paul was saying here that the the glory of the new covenant, that was the glory of of a covenant which was inferior. It was the covenant of the law. We've got a covenant of grace, and it's a superior covenant. Um, and just in verse 15, it says, But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil lies on their heart, their understanding. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's other verses that sort of, uh, other uh, translation that change that around a little bit. And uh, you could read it, and where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Who looked in the mirror this morning before they came? I think, I think uh, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good practice. It is actually um, a, a good practice. Um, because sometimes you see things that shouldn't be there. And you can, you can deal with those things. Um, <laughs> hair out of place. Things... Our nose is a really interesting place, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is. Well, it is. Come on, let's let's be let's be honest. It is. And and sometimes there are there are things that shouldn't be there that need to be removed. <laughs> and and a mirror is a really good really good device because it allows us to um, get things get things as they should be. Um, you know, there, there is, there is uh, dogma, um, doctrines and opinions. Now, this is just an opinion. And, and most often, opinions should be, you know, kept to yourself, but I'm just going to share this one. Anything that hangs out your nostrils is not good. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know there's a there's a fad with with you know there's in our jewelry and stuff, but I don't care what it's made of. Anything that's coming out your nostrils shouldn't be there. That's an opinion. Don't. That's not in, in the scripture. But there is an element of looking into the word and identifying how something should be or something that needs to change. You know, we read in scripture that, yep, oh yeah, okay, I see that. That's something that needs to change. And and that's that's correct. That's that's true. But there's also the reality of looking at what can be. With this verse, but we all with unfailed Unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's not looking, it's not that 
aspect of looking to see what's wrong. It's the aspect of looking to him and saying, you are so beautiful. (laughs) My relationship with you, if I give myself totally to you, is going to be the thing that transforms me. So it's not looking for the things that, oh, I need to fix this, I need to fix that, I need to fix this. It's, it's, the, it's the relationship. It's just like the golf club. It's the, it's the connection. It's the hands on the club. It's our, it's our heart connection with the Father. That's the thing that's going to change us from the inside. You know, we can have a list of, you know, the, the, the um, New Year's resolutions. Well, what a waste of time those are. It's, 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 for the most part, it's an external thing. It's an external, I've got to change this. Well, no, 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 we've got to change this. And the only way this changes is with that connection with our Heavenly Father. It's a, it's a love connection. And as that love connection grows stronger and stronger and stronger, other elements, other things get put in their place. Other things get sorted. Hallelujah. You know, there's, a, there's an argument that I've also heard um, over time um, that people sometimes justify and it's sort of like, it goes like, well, well, well that's, just, that's just how I am. You know, that's how God made me. And yes, God did make us. And he did give us the personality that we have. And he wants to work with us, with our personality, to perfect that personality. That doesn't mean we're all going to be the same, far from it. Because we each have different roles and different places to fulfil in the body of Christ. So what do you say when, when, you know, well, you know, that's just how I am or that's how God made me and, you know. Well, I could give you a, a whiteout pen and you, you could sort of flick over to Romans chapter 12 and you'd, there's probably a few verses in there that you'd need to get rid of because Paul writes, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God. That's where it starts, isn't it? It's the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable under God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there is a change. It's the mercy of God. It's the grace of God that allows for that change. It's the enabler. Grace is the enabler. But there's the cooperation from each individual to allow God to do, to do that work. So, you know, listening to the Holy Spirit is such an important element in, uh, in, our, in our relationship. Now, speaking in tongues is a, 
is a, you know, if you've been filled with the Spirit and uh, God's given that ability to speak in another tongue, the Bible talks about that. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a perfect prayer. It's a prayer that our mind doesn't mess with. It's wonderful. It's a weapon. Use it often. You know, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all. Um, and that's, that's great. But, but what about listening? What about listening? Have you ever had a friend or family member that talks all the time? I mean, I mean all the time. Like, that I, they might, you know, sometimes I think, uh, you know, this person has got some in, indigenous um, background because, you know, when they're playing a didgeridoo, they, they blow out, but they're breathing in and out and they're blowing out all the time. <laughs> some people talk like that. <laughs> they, talk when, they, they, they talk when they're breathing out and they talk when they're breathing in. I don't know how you do it. But... Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit different because I, I, actually, I actually like to think. Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting people don't think, but I actually think bef- most of the time um, before I, I speak. And it doesn't take very long. It's, it's just you know, maybe a couple of seconds. But... Um, for some people, by the time I'm ready to speak, they're, they're off on the, the, the next <laughs> n- next topic or, or, or whatever. And, you know, it can get, can get wearing. But, you know, God gave us... You know, you've heard this, haven't you? God gave us two ears and one mouth and we should use them in the proportion that, you know, he gave it to us. <laughs> How does God feel when he can't get a word in each ways? <laughs> now, I, please, pray, pray, pray. But then just listen. Because it's hard to hear the still, small voice sometimes when all you can hear is the sound of your own. Now, how do we do that? Well, well, look, there's active listening. And uh, some of you are aware of, of and, and journal, okay? Asking God a question and just listening for what he says and just writing. Don't, don't feed it through your brain, just write. Um, I, I've, I've been astounded sometimes with, with that process because... Um, and I've said it before. I I like to think about you know what I'm doing, and and this process did take me a little while to to get a handle on, because I just had to like disengage a little bit, not think about what came, just write it. But <laughs> sometimes I go back and I'll ask God a question and and write, and you know it might be a page and. And it'll be scribbly because I'm trying to get it down as quick as it's coming, and and I I read it and I'm just I'm just reduced to tears because I think I I couldn't come up with that ever. <laughs> yeah. 
that's a, it's an active listening. Um, and it, look, if you're not, if you don't know anything about um, journaling and, and what have you, um, love to talk to you about that. And there'd be other people who do that that would can put you in that direction. It's a very powerful, powerful thing. Meditating. Now, it's not the, you know, sit in the lotus position and empty your mind. Um, it's it's you, you're muttering the word of God. You, you're getting the word of God and you, you're going over and over and over that in your mind and, and God can really open up his word in you through that process. But... <laughs> But above all, it's falling in love with the one who loves us. <laughs> That's the key. You know, you look, at, um, you look at the epistle written to the Ephesian church and the, the bulk of revelation that's in that epistle. It's thick with revelation, the revelation of God. But then you look at, at the the letter to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation. And it's the loveless church. They're doing all the things. They're doing all the things. But they forgot about their grip. They forgot about that connection. It wasn't the priority, it was the stuff. And our connection with our Heavenly Father has to be our priority. <laughs> so it's falling in love with the one who loves us. Our Heavenly Father loved us enough to send his Son. Jesus loved us enough <laughs> to die in our place. And Holy Spirit loves us enough to not leave us alone, but to lead us into all truth. It is our connection with our Heavenly Father. That's what He wants. He'll deal with the rest. He'll deal with what we need to do as we make ourselves available. And just allow Him to do that changing work in our heart. So this was the lesson part. But we've got to take this away and practice. We've got to put it into, into practice. You know, James writes, be doers of the word only and not, hear, not hearers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So we've actually got to do something with this. And we read that verse and we think, oh, um, doing means working. Well, Jesus was asked at one point, you know, what shall, I, what shall we do to work the works of God? And his response was, the works of God are these that you believe <laughs> on the one that the Father sent. That's where it's at. So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father.
Lord, now more so than ever, Lord, you're drawing us into that love relationship with yourself. Lord, that love relationship that allows us to operate in this world to show your love. Lord, not to get offended with anything that comes across our path. Lord, your word says that love covers a multitude of sin. And Lord, as that love is operating in our heart by your Holy Spirit, Lord, we shed your love abroad. <laughs> Lord, we want your love to be coming out of us and touching others. But Lord, it's got to be established within us. And Lord, you are doing that establishing and we are moving from glory to glory. And Lord, we thank you for that. But Lord, put a fire in our belly. Lord, to position ourselves before you, to allow you to put your finger on things that you want to help us with. But Lord, above all things, as Lord, as we fall in love with you and give you time and give you space, Lord, it's by your grace and by your hand and by your mercy that you change us. So Lord, I just thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. And thank you for that enabling ability that you put within us. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God good. So those who haven't got communion, would you like to go and get some? Thank you, Mel. Oh, my heading was, do you know how much God really loves you? God loves us so much. Um, and in the Amplify, in Romans 5, 5, it says, such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love us um, because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us and in the um, passion it says but because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us and you can imagine water pouring out continuously cascading, constantly coming towards us. And in verse 8 it says, But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And um, what great love that is for God dying on the cross for us, for all mankind. And um, he died for us so that we didn't have to die. And um, as Tim was saying, God, we need to have that love connection with God and we need to continue falling in love with God um, as we go on our journey with him. And in Romans 8, 39 in the Passion, it also says, there is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished upon us 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And that word lavish means to expand, to give great amounts or without limits. And that's our God, isn't it? God's without limits. He's lavished it all on us. And um, it just keeps pulling us. Um, I did kids church last week and um, we're talking about gravity and it's a force of nature and that's God, you know. He pulls us towards, if we do something wrong, he's always pulling us back towards him to correct what's wrong, you know, what's been done wrong to make it right. And um, we've just got such a great God who loves us so, 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 so much that he just wants to put his arms around us and, and um, just love on us and I don't think we realise how much our God really does love us. Um, Would you like to stand? Lord, we just thank you that you are continually pouring out your love on us, Lord. Lord, we just thank you, uh, the God that we can serve who's made everything in the one package through your son for us, Lord. Lord, we just thank you that you've got promises for us. We thank you that there's healing for us. We thank you in every single area in our life, Lord, you have poured it out on us, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. Let's partake of the bread. Thank you, Jesus, for all you have done for us, Lord. We just thank you. We can't say that enough, Lord. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for everything you have done for us. Through his blood, we have life. Let's partake. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. How good was church this morning? Amazing. That brings our service to an end. Announcements were at the start of the service today. So if you were late in and don't know what's happening for the week, go and grab someone and I'm sure they'll let you know. The coffee machine is on. I'm going to give you a very quick 20-second testimony during the week. Um, Thursday? Friday? Friday? It was a long week, one of the days this week. Um, So we had pre-planned for the school's kids' breakfast. So we're doing breakfast for our school kids every second Friday. And the first one was meant to be the day that the world flooded last week. And so um, because I'm so organised... I was quite proud of myself. I was actually organised on this occasion. I had bought all of this milk for the breakfast. And the breakfast was cancelled because no one could get to school and school didn't operate that day. So we came up with an idea and went, you know, we've got a lot of milk. Our teachers are having a moment because they've had to cancel school for the day and their plans all got thrown in the air. So we decided, why don't we just make coffee for all our teaching staff with this extra milk? 
So we came in and made coffees. Flick came and helped me. Coral came and helped me. It so blessed the teaching staff here. One of them was nearly in tears knowing that um, church giving has allowed for that to happen um, and that their words, not mine, it's bringing the community together. So the school and the church, not separate, we're together on one site. Um, and that really blessed us that we're in here. But, there's, you know, there was 45, 50-odd drinks that went out that morning. That's 45 or 50 people that got blessed by you guys and you're giving in this space. So thank you. Um, it helps. It really helps. And, there, you know, there's 30 kids in each of those classes that had a teacher who functioned well that day. Yeah? It's, it's, that's truth. That's truth right there. Um, come and grab a coffee. Great to see you this morning. Bless you. Have a good Sunday.